New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's chief content officer, is here to discuss how young people are redefining commitment to their partners, friends, and themselves. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we dive in, can you give us some information about the consumers Ypulse is tapping in order to develop your assessment? How many, how old they are, where they are, and how often you're talking to them? Absolutely. Ypulse is completely focused on young consumers, Gen Z and millennials, and we are serving them across a huge range of topics and trends throughout the year. Each of our surveys is in North America and both Western Europe. Our North American survey is a sample of 1,500 13 to 39-year-olds. We're looking at a population that is really reflective of Gen Z and millennials reality. And we also are surveying really close to the publication date. So looking at real time, how young consumers are feeling about each of these trends. Fantastic. So first off, we often start our conversations with definitions. And in some ways, this entire episode explores some of the most basic definitions that Gen X, boomers, the greatest generation, things that they take for granted so much that to change them is to change societal culture itself. So let's start with a basic one, commitment. What does commitment mean to young consumers? It's something we really wanted to find out. (laughs) Really, the reason that we wanted to have this trend, what's the situationship, was first and foremost, not just to dig into this trendy term that we're hearing in songs and seeing on social media, but to explore what commitment looks like for Gen Z and millennials. And they're absolutely shifting that. And what we really found is that commitment doesn't have as solid and unmovable of a definition to these generations. The the definition is really more blurry as with so many things for them. And they believe 86% of 13 to 39 year olds believe that commitment can look different for everyone. So commitment is not marriage necessarily. Commitment is not even necessarily a monogamous relationship. It can be an honest, devoted relationship. That's something we heard from our young consumers in quotes. It can be friendships. It can be so many different things. And their concept of commitment is really broad, more broad than previous generations. Would you say that the word itself, commitment, is durable, but how they apply it in the personal space is, or the, the human space is where the definition is shifted? So when if they're committed to an action, is that blurry as well? Or is it? Mm, It's a great question. We really focused on relationships in this 
trend. We focused on their relationships with romantic partners. Mm. We focused on their relationships with friends and to themselves, but not necessarily commitment to say a hobby or a job. Or an ideal, right. Okay. So would you say, I mean, you mentioned that it's blurry. A lot of things are blurry and it seems like this might be part and parcel of some of the other foundational definitions that have shifted the binary, the sort of traditional binary gender conversation. Absolutely. And so so you believe this is part of that? This is, if we were to look at that, We've this is said, integral to that? Mm-hmm. We've said for years that this Gen Z and millennials are genreless generations. And what we dug into and mean by that is that they do not want to be defined by any one thing. And they really are all about stretching, blending, and blurring strict definitions. They don't want to be put into a box. So whether that's gender, whether that's even, you know, their definitions of race and ethnicity, or even, you know, music genres, which is where genreless generation comes from. They Mm. don't necessarily want to be just one thing. And being on one far side of the spectrum isn't really the reality for this generation. They tend to live in the middle somewhere. Um, Their definition of commitment is certainly following that trend. So interesting. While you were talking, I was like, wow, it's almost like this is the real melting plot. Everything blends in. And yet you also have people having strong opinions about who they are. Like within that, it's not defined, but they themselves don't want to. It's almost like you don't want an external definition. You want to be able to apply it. And this doesn't necessarily mean that. It's a lot of agency around around that definition. You mentioned earlier in the conversation, situationship. (laughs) I had a friend who said, my daughter's in a situationship. What is that even? And I said, I don't know. So (laughs) what is a situationship? Yeah. So situationship is a term, certainly that you are probably seeing more, hearing more, maybe if you know Gen Z and millennials who are dating, we have a dating and relationship survey that we run every year, but this is really digging even further into that. And situationships are really kind of a term that have come out of this messy dating life that they are a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's when they are in a relationship that is not defined a romantic relationship that's less than a relationship, but quote urban dictionary more than a booty call. So it's not a full on relationship. You're not really sure what it is, but certainly you're together. So again, that blurriness is there. 23% of 25 to 29 year olds say they've been in a situationship. So certainly it's common to be in these kind of amorphous, less defined than a traditional relationship situations. And we, you know, see data apps accommodating this. Tinder actually said that 2022 was the year of the situationship and added features and options to the app to accommodate for that kind of blurriness and allow users to choose different things that they might be looking for that aren't just commitment. So here's a question or a two-parter for you is, can a situationship be the terminus state or is it a way station to something else? One. And two, are some people say, I just want a situationship. I don't want anything else. I think certainly both. Okay. And I don't think that there's a strict definition around it because it okay. is super undefined. So, you know, thinking about, okay, maybe for boomers, there might have been, you know, more clear stages to a relationship and well, the progression to exactly. I was, are I was monogamous. And I think these generations, there's just not as clearly defined of these 
goalposts that they're reaching. Well, that's that was sort of my next question was, is there a progression that that is generally held to, for example, in the olden days, people got to know each other, became emotionally entangled and then marked the emotional entanglement with a physical relationship. And at least for women in society, this was the idealized world. One required the other. Is there a hierarchy? For instance, are situationships always an emotional relationship? Is that why there is always a, an emotional component to a situationship, whereas a booty call may or may not have an emotional component? You know, trying to understand that. So I think it's speaking generalities, but not always. You can I don't think you can use the word always when you're talking okay. about Gen Z and millennials and dating, which is okay. what makes it so hard for them and hard for older generations and potentially brands and media to understand them. So, you know, 62% of young people tell us that brands don't understand how people in their generation date. And I think one of the reasons is because it is it's messy and there's far less of the structure around well, it. And so you can say sometimes. Sometimes there's, you know, a romantic feeling in situationships, maybe even a lot of times, but maybe not, can't say always. Well, that's what's interesting because often brands, part of what they're doing is, is tapping into an emotional thread because that gets higher engagement. That's sort of just a human thing. If you're triggered emotionally, you're going to engage with something. And you and I have talked about the importance of romance, just the romanticizing clothing, romanticizing experience, romance core. And so how is romance integrated into relationships? Or is it something that's totally parallel? I think it is integrated into relationships. I'll just to go back to what you're saying about the things we've discussed in terms of romanticization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's fairly separate and different. The kind of romanticizing we've talked about is more about young people trying to make the mundane special in their own lives. So romanticizing a night in might really be just them by themselves, but they're really framing everything they're doing, lighting a candle, reading a book, Mm. um, you know, whatever it might be in this kind of romantic movie-esque way. And that's very different from a romantic relationship. I think, again, you know, I'm not trying to be slippery, but (laughs) romance can sometimes be a part of relationships for Gen Z and millennials, especially like in the earlier days, though, I think it's not always. And and that can be, you know, one of the difficulties for brands or older generations trying to understand. Right. Well, it's interesting. It's an outgrowth of the media landscape. That's definitely true. And one of the things that researchers know in general is that too much choice can cause anxiety, the paradox of choice. Do young consumers feel stressed by this removal of boundaries and definition? Do they like it or is it kind of stressful or is it we like it, but we know it's stressful? Yeah, I think it's we, we like it in that, you know, we get to choose our own path, but it is absolutely stressful. 72 percent of single young people agree that dating is more difficult now than it was in the past. We also see over half, 56 percent of single young people agree Social media makes it hard to be in a committed relationship because you see so many other options out there. So I think exactly what you're saying, you know, the paradox of choice and also just the complications of choice when you have an app 
or social media, and you are seeing all of these different people that you could be having conversations with, that you could be, you know, potentially in a relationship with, at least that's how they're presented to you. Mm -hmm. That's very different from what boomers and Xers and older millennials experienced where, you know, the dating pool was, you know, who can you meet in person? Well, well, this is, this is what's interesting is that the endless supply of choice, it isn't just the neighborhood or an in real life connection. And the report even mentions that online relationships are as important as in real life relationships. Is there any concern about catfishing people creating an idealized avatar for themselves and interacting with another idealized fantasy person? Does that matter? Does it matter? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. (laughs) Okay. They want the relationships they have to be real or there wouldn't be a very long running MTV show around these reveals. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, it's crazy. But then at the same time, it absolutely matters. We've asked young people in our dating and relationship survey that we run every year, if they've lied about themselves on a dating app. And nearly a quarter, 24% tell us that they have. Oh my. percent prefer not to answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> so could be higher. And that's just the number who are admitting as right. you and I have discussed before, anything self-reported, you know. Yeah. You're, you're only image the managing, who, yeah. Yeah, who will admit that they, that it's true. Certainly catfishing is a reality and some are even participating in that themselves. Now, we're not asking what the scale of their lie was. Maybe they just lied about their age. Mm. Maybe they lied about what they do. We're not, you know, saying 25% of young people have catfish because that's right. a well, far that's larger. An extreme. That's an extreme. Yes, exactly. If we think um, of it as a continuum. But, you know, I think also interesting, half, 46%, tell us that they have video called with someone they met online before meeting them in person. So there are I, you know, I taken <laughs> to make sure that you actually are seeing the person that's yes. not your profile picture from this century. Yeah, Absolutely. sure. Well, you know, going back to talking about emotional messaging, which is one of the ways in which marketers connect with audiences and get them to engage with their messaging. It, it sounds like brands need to understand how the triggering of that emotion or the context of that emotion has shifted in big and small ways, right? Absolutely. And they need to understand that representation of relationships needs to be far broader. You know, these relationships still have emotion to them. As I said, so many of them do, even if it is a situationship. And, you know, also situationships are not the only relationships that young people are in. You know, we've asked them, what type of relationship have you been in? You know, 70% of 25 to 39 year olds have been in a committed relationship. 46% of 18 to 24 year olds tell us that they have. So definitely lower on the 18 to 24 year old side, casual dating, friends with benefits, you know, those are bigger than situationship participation in there. And then we also have, you know, not in a relationship, but dating, non-monogamous. And these are the, this is just romantic relationships that we're talking about. So, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of relationships that they're in just because they're not monogamous committed relationships does not mean they don't involve emotion. Right. Uh, But also, Brands need to understand, which is what the rest of the report digs into after we cover romantic relationships and how that definition of commitment is shifting. Commitment to self, commitment to friends. These are serious emotional relationships that young people have that could be more represented on screen in marketing, et cetera. It's interesting. You know, there are rites of passage that society celebrates, births, deaths, graduations, weddings. Do people feel that 
marriage is important for them? And do they feel that there are rites of passage that are not that that could be being celebrated, you know, because obviously, again, brands are triggering into things here, buy this, it's for graduation, buy this, it's for your wedding, buy this, it's for the birth, like there's always a consumer angle. So two part question, where do weddings fall in the I want this is important to me bucket. And then part two is, are there things that brands should add to the list? Yes. The the idea of marriage as the ultimate end goal of any relationship is shifting with these generations. And when we talk about brands representing commitment in a different way, that needs to include the idea that a, a successful long-term relationship for these generations isn't necessarily just about marriage. And mm-hmm. in fact, our data, because we have asked about marriage and commitment and dating over time, mm-hmm. shows this shift really clearly. So we, first of all, see that the number of people, young people who say, you don't have to be married to start a family with someone. I was wondering if it was linked for a desire with children, because that has also downticked. Is there, do yeah. they run in, do they run in concert? with one another or they divorced from one another? The number who say that you don't have to be married to start a family with someone has been increasing. It was 67% in 2020. It is now 72%. So the majority of young people in the US agree, nearly three quarters agree, you don't have to be married to start a family with someone. So marriage and having children are not tied together. What's interesting there is just that the, the sheer effort of raising a child, the financial and emotional heft. I wonder if that means society needs to build in some expectations of people who who create children, you know, that, so that they also have to widen their idea of what parenthood looks like. This is veering right. off into another subject, but we are working on a report on Gen Alpha, which you and I am sure will discuss right. in the coming months and looking at how millennial parents might are making choices or in circumstance are facing circumstances that are different from previous generations. Well, when we look at our data on millennial parents, we see that 35 report that they are single parents, 35% re- report that they are single parents. Well, and what's interesting there is oftentimes there's an economic suffering that goes with single parenthood because, and often sadly to say women, you know, there, there is a Absolutely. real economic linkage here. And then what that means for other things. And so a couple of thoughts float around my head, which is when you look at this, as you look at older people, do they have a, a slightly different opinion? Because obviously you have some life experience with it's a nice idea, but it's really hard. It's really expensive. You know, if you, it takes a village kind of thing, or is it the same generation to generation? Is this true in blue states and red states? I know we usually don't slice and dice into that, but the same or not so much. We have some we have some idea of regionality based on whether they report that they're in a big city, rural, suburbs, et cetera, but not necessarily where in the United States they live. So we don't even have sort of like northeast, southwest, that kind of thing. Midwest. No, we don't collect that currently. I can say that people who are in rural areas are actually more likely to agree that you don't have to be married to have a family with someone. 80% of those who report that they are in a rural area agree with that, but it's 69% in a big city, 
70 uh, percent in a small city, 70 percent in the suburbs. So we're looking at the majority of people in all kinds of, of li- living situations. And then when it comes to age, we absolutely look at different age breakdowns and the differences between them. And again, it's the majority of all age ranges that we're looking at. It is especially true, actually, among 25 to 29-year-olds, 77 percent of 25 to 29 year olds agree with the statement, you don't have to be married to have a family with someone compared to 74% of 35 to 39, which is the oldest age range that we're looking at. So very, very close. So I, I wouldn't say that within this generation, the older they get, the more likely they think you have to be married to have kids. In fact, we're really just seeing across the board that the majority don't believe that's true. So marketers really need to be aware when they're they're showing people that it doesn't necessarily, it's not mom, dad, two kids and the dog. You know, yeah. you, you get creative so people see themselves and they're recombined families or single or generational, whether it's urban or suburban or rural, this is all the the mix of this 13 to 39 year old. That's a big, that's the chunk it's of a big consumers. Age range. That's a big age range. We talk about the important, the report, you talk about the importance of the self, the family, the friends, where everything stacks up. And I'm curious about self-sacrifice. In older generations, there was a value around I'm self-sacrificing for my family or I'm self-sacrificing for a romantic partner. Is that is self-sacrifice linked to anything for this generation? Yeah, it's an interesting question. What we really was explored is how young people are prioritizing their relationships with their self themselves. And, you know, a tangential data point that I can point to is the young people we are talking to who are representative of Gen Z and millennials overall, when we ask them what people should prioritize, what relationships people should prioritize, they are most likely to say that people should put themselves first Mm -hmm. above relationships with their families, with their significant other romantic partners, and with their close friends. Mm -hmm. And what we We've seen in other research when it comes to wellness, when it comes to mental health, you know, young people are not seeing putting yourself first as something that is selfish, but instead something that is healthy and needs to be done. 84% of young people agree that it's healthy to put yourself first. And that's not necessarily something they see as, and we explored this really in our main character energy trend. That's not something that they see as, you know, making selfish choices, like taking the majority of the food when other people need it or anything like that. It's more that you are working on yourself and your mental wellness and your happiness. Right. And so that the other relationships in your life do not suffer. Right. Well, I guess self-sacrifice being something different, it's not the, that you don't go selfish versus self-sacrifice. You know, I I think there's a, the level to which you, you know, I'm not going to switch jobs because I'm going to keep working this job, which isn't my favorite job, but provides for my family, that kind of self-sacrificing versus other, you know, versus I'm going to travel the world and Kids, come on. There are degrees of, of, yeah, of So if I am a marketer and I am going to be taking away from, from this change, what would you say are the top three takeaways if I want to connect with consumers 
and I want to connect with them around relationships with each other, you know, friendships, Mm -hmm. family, romance, friends, even themselves. What are the things that I should add to my thinking? Yes. Number one, the old way of portraying love, romance, and committed relationships won't necessarily work for these generations. They don't feel that brands are understanding the way they date, the way they are committing to people and what their relationships look like. 60% agree that brands don't understand how people in their generation view love. And over half tell us that ads depict an old fashioned view of love that they don't relate to, you know, thinking of those holiday commercials. Like, well, I was just thinking, you know, about the couple, <laughs> what about the, and that's the, it. the success of the bachelor or goodness gracious, you know, romantic bookstore owner hooking up with local handyman from, from August to December, that channel pushes out a very mm-hmm. traditional romance kind of thing, Harlequin, yeah. if you will. And there's absolutely room for that. Clearly there's comfort viewing in that too. I would argue that it's not that those relationships are so traditional that's comforting. It's the, you know, the holiday themes and the simple plot lines and the okay. you know, happy ex- ending. Ex- happy ending and the expected kind of plot points. Not necessarily that they are ending in a, you know, a marriage or that they are male, female romances as Great American Family Channel might disagree, but, but I think, you know, our data really clearly shows that when it comes to complex storytelling, marketing, you know, these generations believe that commitment looks different for everyone. And there are many different kinds of commitment and relationships. And so, you know, when you're thinking about romantic relationships, you need to broaden your representation. And then also this would be number two, you need to think beyond relationships that are romantic when you're celebrating relationships and commitment, you know, friendships, we didn't delve into that part of the research as much, but friendships are incredibly important to Gen Z and millennials. They've been important to previous generations as well, but these generations want that importance to be represented and they are, you know, working on friendships in a similar way to the way they are working on romantic relationships. So committing to them, seeing them as lifelong commitments. So celebrating friendships and those commitments in their lives is a, you know, a huge opportunity for brands. Okay. Two questions on that. One, is there a gender difference there? Because I would say generationally speaking, there was a great interview recently, Jane Fonda, and she talks about men's relationships where they sit next to each other on a couch and women's relationships Mm -hmm. where they sit across from each other and talk to each other. Is there a gender difference in the importance of friendships with this age group? Yeah, we do see some gender differences as you know, you would expect based on some of the stereotypes that we see about male relationships, you know, that's definitely something that hasn't ended uh, when it comes to Gen Z and millennials, female Gen Z and millennials are more likely to say that they tell their friends personal things that they confide in them, that they, you know, celebrate birthdays and holidays together as friends than male young consumers are now not saying that you know, it's incredibly low for male consumers, you know, 43% say that they tell their friends, their close friends, personal things, 42% say that they confide in their close friends, but then it's over half of females who say those same things, you know? Uh, And then when it comes to actually representing their commitment to friendship, to their friends and, and their friendships in a, you know, in a, 
really apparent way. So like matching jewelry, matching clothes, matching tattoos, females are far more likely than males to be doing all of those trends, you know. Well, and that's a monetization. Yeah. That's an that's an opportunity. If we're thinking about marketing, marketing into sure. friendship, it's those kinds of things, Valentine's Day, Friendsgiving, yeah. you know, those kinds of holidays to, to be aware that it's not just family, 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 romance, romance, romance. It can also be this durable, important friendship. Any last thoughts before we, before we go? I would say, you know, just overall understanding that for young consumers, commitment is not just about finding that monogamous relationship with a romantic partner, that for some young people, being single is actually the, the ideal life goal that they have, you know, they don't want to be in a relationship and the definitions around romance and commitment for these generations are really just being blurred and blended and shattered in, in the way that they are, you know, redefining so many things. So brands need to keep up with that. But also there are so many opportunities, as you just pointed out, to celebrate these new kinds of relationships or the kinds of relationships they want to be celebrated and to really play into that. Fantastic. Thank you once again for sharing great information. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Norton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.